Yeah, 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 I get that, I get that, but is we live, though? Is we, like, all the way live, though? You heard? Another one. <laughs> a, a grateful one. You feel me? Yo, man. Indeed. The vulnerable are powerful. The most gangster thing you could do is serve. And the second most gangster thing you could do is tune into the All The Way Live podcast. You dig me? That's what this is. That's where you at. Yo. Hey, man. They know exactly where they at, man. They know exactly where they at. Toe. Ah, man. This is the All The Way Live podcast. This is the space. Yo. What the not gangster thing is to do is, okay, we gotta, gotta have a mic set. Gotta <laughs> get your hands off the mic so we can hear that. <laughs> you gotta listen, man. Or you gotta mute it while you rearrange it because you you throwing off you throwing off the co emperor's groove right now. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to welcome the people, and all I hear is jumbling and jangling. <laughs> listen, I didn't mean to do all that jumbling and jangling, especially at our introduction, because what we do over here, man, is create a space of carefully curated content for your cranium. We come here every week, dedicate ourselves to take in information, experiences, thoughts, ideas, and recommendations that you people have, and we dedicate our time to it, and we bring it on this show here every single Sunday live. That's 8 o'clock South Africa time. 12 p.m. Central uh, Central SEST, which is Central Standard Time. And then that also makes that 6 p.m. in UK time, baby. International. That's right. That's right. We touching time zones across the map, baby. And it's a pleasure to be able to do so. It's a pleasure to be able to let y'all know that Chicago is in the building, as always. I think it's still fair to say that Joe Berg is in the building, man. The energy is always, always. You know what I'm saying? I've been missing saying like that South Africa aspect of it. So we bringing that back. Joe Berg is in the building by way of Exeter. You see what I did there with the UFC intro, man? By way of Exeter, my boy, you know, uh, Master's Way, as he gets his Master's on, bro. Appreciate you for being here. But on this side, you know what's up, bro. This podcast is recorded on stolen land. Chicago, the land that was cared for by the Potawatomi people, the Council of the Three Fires, the Native American, the people indigenous to this land that cared for it. And the violence that was done to remove them from this land is inseparable from the state that we find our city in, the state that we find this country in here in the United States, and the state that we find the world in. We need healing. We need uh, acknowledgement. We need reparation. You know what I'm saying? And we need we need closure. Right. So with that, we always lift up love for indigenous people the world over. We lift up love for black and brown people the world over. That's how That's you right. know it over and we are in this thing. Brothers, wait, what's up with you, bro? Let's get into this show. Kids official sliding on the instrumental Nordic combos, twisted mental like forbidden jitsus. My clicks initial. Yes, Back sir. Brother Miles, I, I was asked by a, a, a one of our one of our longtime listeners. Do we have to still do the land acknowledgement? Is Chicago still on stolen land? Was how that question was posed to me. Is Chicago still on stolen land? Yes. Chicago will forever be on stolen land until people associate Chicago with Jean-Baptiste Pont du Sable, who was the man of Haitian and uh, I believe Native American, no, Haitian descent. And his wife was of Native American descent who founded the city. You know what I'm saying? Until we, that is, the name is synonymous with that history. Until that name is synonymous with the Potawatomi people and the people that cared for this. Then yes, forever, forever, we will remember to say that this podcast is filmed on stolen land. That being said, bro, like we, we, we listen to the audience. We could shorten it maybe, you know what I'm saying? But I think it is important to, to always say that and to always remember that, bro. Like, yeah, man, this is... I think a lot of what we're trying to do on this show is acknowledge history is to have difficult conversations. And I think a lot, and a lot of times we're advocating for black folk. So in doing that, I think we need to be consistent and, and, and hold it down for, for love between and with, and within communities of, of color all over the world. 
Yeah, that's a fact. That's a fact. I was at the Exeter Museum today. You know, took myself on a little date. You know, self care, self love, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and and I, I really do enjoy going into museums and that type of thing and seeing it. But one of the cool things about being in those spaces is the preservation of history and the preservation of the people that were in that space and what they cared about and what they thought about. And through that, there's a strong anchoring of identity that comes from that, right? So for us, doing these land acknowledgments is almost a uh, it's, it's, it's us extending our identity and our history and preserving that information of the people that, you know, acknowledging the people that we're doing this land off of and see what that means in terms of like uh, what that means in terms of who we are. Cause that's who, that's what we care about at the end of the day. We really keep people that care about that type of stuff. Big facts. And like, yeah, if you can't tell by the <laughs> flag in the background, I'm a very Chicago centric person. And I think part of the, the reason the land acknowledgement is important is because in the formation of the show, there's a lot of intentionality as well in like representing both the dynamic of Chicago, of of the states and, and South Africa on your side. You know what I mean? So if, I think if we're going to lean into that in terms of identity, in terms of content, in terms of perspective, it's also important to acknowledge the history and, and even our privilege within being in this space. Yeah. Speaking of identity in the United Kingdom and that type of experience, um, Brother Miles, unfortunately, I had to run into a racist experience. The first of the first type I've had since I've been here. Oi. And this this marks the start of our new segment, Racism in the Wild. Zoe. <laughs> well, Brother Miles, I was definitely in the wild. When this having, racism happened to me. Having just encountered racism in the wild. Please, what's what's racism all, up to, to these days? In all honesty, I felt as though I was long overdue a racist experience is kind of what it felt like, right? I felt like I'd been riding too easy, just traveling and having all these fantastic traveling experiences, not having it blatantly in my face. How, however, I was I was long overdue a code check for sure. I will I will give that to the universe. Uh, okay, all right. So let's get into it. Let's get the let's get the juicy the the juicy details of this of what happened there. First of all, are you okay? Let's start with let's start there. Are you good? What do I get if I'm not okay? I, we empathy first and foremost, right? For me, from the audience, definitely that for sure. And also to like, yeah, we 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 wanna. I might have some jokes for you, depending on how this story goes. So I just want to check in and see where we at with it first, you know. Honestly, man, and and maybe this speaks towards, maybe this speaks towards where I am mentally. But I'm I'm very much okay. What so in the instance? So I'm with my it's myself and two other. Um, I guess in this instance, it's important to preface two other African friends. One of them was Algerian. Um, so it looks more Middle Eastern because that's what the people from there look like. And the other one was from Sierra Leone, quite dark like myself. We see, a, you know, just roaming around looking for a place to have some drinks and, and just hang out as boys Saturday night. Nothing hectic. Go see the see a, uh, a security guard who is standing in front of the, the spot that we're trying to get into. So I go up to the guy. Hey, man, we see a garden area. Is it open? We'd like to go in. Is this how we get in? Yes, that's how you get in. OK, cool. I wait for the, the rest of the people in that line to finish up going forward. Even if I'd come before them, you know, I just went to speak to the security, but the line is short. Once they're done, I can step in. They finish. I tell the boys, hey, man, it's good. This is the place we're looking for. Let's go on in. I give the guy my my ID. Now I'm seeing what's happening on the inside. It's a, it's a bar situation. You know what I mean? People are eating and drinking. It's cool. And he's got my ID and he flips it once, he flips it twice, he flips it three times, he flips it four times, he's shining a light on it. When he flips it the fifth time, I'm just like, hey, my man, what's what's going on with this ID? <laughs> what's up with this ID? And I was joking around to my friends in the line. I'll say, man, you would think at this age, the space would be enough for people to know that I'm old enough to get into a bar. In fact, I haven't been carded in a very long time. There's another layer to this right here. And I just want to make sure that the audience knows that as well, too. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's an additional slight when there might be a question about change or your, your accessibility into the bar when you have a little bit of facial hair. You know what I'm saying? When it's growing proper 
and you've done a little work on it to shape it up. I see you, bro. I see you, you know? <laughs> and I know that you was kind of stroking the goatee a little bit at the door, like, this guy will let me in. Does he not? Did you give him a little chin? Did you show, did you, did you give him a little, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Make sure that he saw it. Cause that's official, bro. But listen, man, you, 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 Miles, you know my story, man. I've, I've, I've prayed for this beard. So I was hoping that part of the benefits of having it would be to be able to not get carded in situations, but nevertheless, it's okay. Flips it once, twice, excessive amounts of times. He's not flicking what? it too many times. Now, in my head, I already, it, it's already clicked what's happening because I know this idea is fine. And the fact that I even have to follow up, right? So I say, hey, man, what's up? He goes, can't let you in. This ID's expired. I said, this ID's expired. I said, okay, let's have a look at it. Stand next to him. I go, he goes, yeah, it's expired. I go, where is it expired? You know, where is it expired? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's flipping it around. He flips it around, flips it back. And he sees a date, 11 October, 2019. And he goes right there. He said, it's expired. I said, read what it says on top of it, though. It said, issue on. And now I'm getting agitated, right? And I realized, <laughs> I realized at that moment, I'm not agitated because he doesn't want to let me in. I'm agitated that he's trying to draw me into an argument as if I'm trying to get into this place that badly. Like, don't make it seem now that I'm hoping to get in. <laughs> don't do that. That is a... That is a, that is a, that's an awful feeling. It is for sure. I've like definitely been out at nights. So you go to stand in front of a bar, right? And the bouncer comes out and says, hey, bro, you got to get in line over there. I was just texting, sir. <laughs> I have no intentions going into your smelly establishment, my my guy. I don't care that much. I really don't care that much. But then he says it's expired. I go, no, bro, it, does, it doesn't say expired. It says um it, it says like, issued on which means that's the day they give it to me you know and i said listen if english is difficult you know bring somebody out you know we can bring somebody else to explain what expires and issued means and now i'm getting slightly agitated but, oh. <laughs> but at the same time i see that okay, I man, that's spicy anytime you tell somebody to that they might need to involve somebody else in order to get the definition of a word out it's getting heated it's getting no, I'm saying it's issued or whatever, and he's still shaking his head. I go, it's fine. Give me my ID back, please. I take my ID. I, I tap him twice on the chest, but sternly as a. Hey, it's cool. Go somewhere else. And <laughs> <laughs> that's the most aggressive, non-aggressive action I've ever. <laughs> I don't know this if right I'm, here because that's that's so. I can picture you doing that, but it's also like that. It, what is that? That's just frustration. That's just like, I want to put it, you know what that is? That's like, that's like when you straighten up somebody's suit jacket, when you put your hands, you just start, you just start fixing their lapel. Like, you know what, brother? <laughs> Definitely on some gangster stuff. Just, yeah, for but sure. I mean, obviously now, because of, of, of the people that I'm with, two Africans, when I left that scenario, I really, I didn't care much. I was like, oh, racist dude, fuck it. My money's going to be better spent elsewhere. They didn't feel the same. They were kind of agitated by it. Confused. I was like, gentlemen, look, lately in my life, I asked myself a question. Do I want to be right or do I want to be happy? And lately I choose happiness over most things. You know what I feel? So that that kind of mellowed out. And it wasn't until like a day later where I thought back. I was like, damn, that actually was some kind of, that was, that was very, very racist. Yeah. that's Well, I'm sorry that that happened to you, my dude. You know what I mean? that's It's unfortunate because when you when you first, as you first getting into the story, you're telling me he, he's flipping the card and he's shining the light on it. There's a moment at which you start to think in your brain, is he looking for an excuse to not let me in here? And that's where you start having to balance that. You, that I think paranoia is a fair word to say without the implication that you're always wrong, right? I feel like people hear paranoia and feel like there's a, a underlying connotation that you're wrong. But I think we as Black folks have this uh, uh, a paranoia that is often proven correct that people are discriminating against us, right? And so it's always anxiety-inducing, at least for me, whenever that, it feels like that, that clock starts, all right, now I'm in this encounter and it's going left and I don't know why, like, is it a black thing? And you're trying not to make it that before it's before it's time or before it's appropriate, but it just sucks, man. It's a lot of extra wasted brain power while you're just trying to be out having fun with your homies, man. 
sorry that yeah yeah it, it is it is and like part of the part of the crappy thing about that whole thing right and this is like and like this is part of like the <laughs> greets racism greets way like <laughs> like an old long lost acquaintance yeah ah oh, racism old friend i remember the <laughs> still with that logic i see uh, sharp as ever sharp as ever yeah. um but like this is the thing about it right miles is that as a as a black man especially as one who enjoys traveling and one who um appreciates keeping an open mind about the people that they encounter with and the spaces that they experience it is so time consuming i i cannot live life afraid of racist encounters my uncle, one of my mentors, likes to say, he goes, boy, if you want to travel, if you want to travel and be worried about racism, might as well stay at home. Might as well stay at home. You know, and that's and that's kind of real. So the balance is right. You're trying to find, you're trying to be as open-minded and as and as and as allowing for people to be who they are around you, because that's what that's what you're gonna be doing. That's what I'm gonna be doing. I'm gonna be me to my fullest extent in the places that I am, that I that I enter in hopes that. And keep an open mind in hopes that people can receive me that way and feel comfortable enough to be themselves towards me. Um, but as a as you know, as a as a as a black man with tattoos and chains and whatnot, like it's and that's important to say because that's self that's self-awareness, right? You have to know who you are going into spaces. But like awareness black. it's tricky. No, man, but it's like it's tricky though, because you don't wanna you don't wanna assume that these things are gonna happen and it sucks when they get when they when they when they do happen and they prove themselves right yeah yeah but i so i want to commend you as well on just being measured because having that frustration it's like even though you you were getting a little spicy with them talking about if you need somebody else to define expiration and and issue date you know what i mean you still were very composed in that and sometimes it's hard to be sometimes you want mm -hmm. Sometimes you want to kind of almost draw a little bit more attention to the situation so that there are other people that can confirm what's happening to you. You know what I mean? So that you don't have to walk away from the situation wondering if you're the only one that would have interpreted it that way. Right. Yeah. So I appreciate you in, in that situation because sometimes it's, it's you never know how you're going to react. I remember being with you in Champagne when we were down at school and we had walked into the mall with two of the homies. Right. Two of the white homies. Right. Shout out to Will and Jarka. Right. So we walk in, in the mall. Will and Jarka go in probably 10 feet before us. Right. I drove. So I'm blue, blue, locking up the car. We walking across the parking lot. You know what I'm saying? Just chatting, chatting. We're entering the mall through this glasses shop. Right. And as Will and Jarka walk in, they walk in, take a look to the side, some glasses, walk on through. As soon as we head, walk head in, right for the for the Oakley aisle, <laughs> big facts, right? Yeah, the snowboarding looking stuffs, right? So we walk the in, Pendergrasses. So I'm looking for me some 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 fly stuff. So, but not even really looking. We walk in, kind of slow, just looking around, mostly just talking to each other, right? This white lady hops in front of me with a whole iPad, not a phone, a whole iPad, and snaps a picture. <laughs> mm -hmm. on my whole face <laughs> i remember no words were exchanged before that happened either she just came took a picture of your face and said uh yeah this in case you want to try on any glasses and then walked away <laughs> <laughs> and then did, did did not do anything with that information and then did not offer to show me any glasses it was at the like and it happened so fast that i was like whoa that was that was fire racism like that was like unexpected that was very that was like a drive-by of racist energy it was crazy uh and it's just things we have to deal with man and I, I wasn't able to react in that moment except just to laugh bro you know so how do we deal with that though how do we deal with that like how, how what is the way to go about moving understanding the reality of that being a high possibility of encounter right or just a possibility of experiences to encounter especially as a person of color traversing this earth what is because because at, at this age man violence violence is not something that i particularly uh, that's not an energy I, I i particularly care to exercise for for free 
Mm-hmm. That's how that's how old gangsters talk. That's how people who used to be out in the field and have come inside. That's how they talk. You know what I'm saying? You know, I don't really, I don't really want to be involved in any type of situation where anybody's health or person might be at risk anymore. I just don't want to. It's just not my cup of tea. That's how you know. That's you know, seeing some things <laughs> <laughs> with you <laughs> and, and some stuff. But no, I feel you, man. So I think it's hard because. There's a like, like we both just described, there's going to be a lot of situations where you're in that moment and you're just kind of stuck. It's like, dang, do I make a scene? How sure am I that I'm that I'm in the right? What's the level to take it to in this scenario? So and a lot of times the right thing to do and what we end up doing is just having to eat that in the moment, just having to just be like, well, that happened and and try to continue to be buoyant with our mood. But I think some ways that some strategies around that is one to remember that if a lot of the reason that that's so uncomfortable is because of the uncertainty, right? The plausible Mm -hmm. deniability of racism. And when you experience it and when you're sure about it, even when you don't feel like you've responded to it appropriately in the moment, if you end up walking off and being like, dang, that was really racist. I should have said something. At least you had that nugget of, of understanding of being like, that was racist. And I did just experience that. And my experience as a person of color is deeply valid and deeply Mm -hmm. heavy because of experiences like that. So just, even if you didn't move how you wanted to move, just remembering that I'm not crazy, man. That really just happened to me. And the other flip side of it is that maybe when you're experiencing that, the the decision to make on how to act is, is this a teachable moment? Is there something I can do in this moment of any kind, right? Whether it's escalating, whether it's really getting eloquent about why what the person did is wrong or inappropriate. Like, is there something I can do in this moment that's teachable either for the person who committed this or for some me and my homies or whoever happens to be around to see yeah. how to deal with racism that might help you decide how to move. Is this a teacher? Yeah. But I don't believe, I don't believe in the old, the old, nothing, the old, but I don't believe in, for instance, if that was the case, me going in there and buying up the bar talking about, Hey man, I can afford to be here. Cause you hear of that type of thing happening all the time where, you know, black people go into stores. It happened to Oprah, bro. It happened to Oprah in France, where she went into a particular uh, luxury goods store, try to buy something, and they were told, "Ma'am, this starts at ten thousand. That type of energy, um, you know. And in many instances, people would be like, "Then give me ten, <laughs> give me ten, so I can show you." But I don't believe that is a victory either, man. I believe I thoroughly believe in being able to take your commerce elsewhere. That's that that would hurt more. There's, okay, I'll take my dollars elsewhere, man. Big facts, big facts. Go to the store across the street. Matter of fact, go to the black-owned store, wherever it may be, and cop from there. Support that business. So not only do you not give the business to the people who ain't do you right, but you're also supporting a business that will that will cater to us in our community first and foremost, without looking at us shady, without following us around the store, without implying that we can't afford what we came in there to buy. Hey man, let's get into current news with this. Kids official sliding on the instrumental Nordic combos, twist your mental like forbidden jitsu's my clicks initial. We bike again. We're back, man. We're back, we're back, we're back. Still live, still live. Don't forget, man, this is a live show. That means that comments and whatever will be read live onto the show. So feel free to jump to these conversations. We always say that this is nothing more than a space of friends, family. Um, a space of community, you know what I'm saying? Fostering conversations that engage people. So do engage. Make sure you engage. Yes, yeah, sir. Like, comment, 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 man. Please tell us what you want us to recommend. Oh, and you know what I'm saying? We we would love to have that type of engagement with y'all. Tell us what you like, what you don't like, so we can improve the show, keep delivering you, dishing out all of this delicious content. Mr. Miles Xavier, you are notoriously, uh, notoriously Chicago. Uh, you rep Chicago deep, 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 deep. You're a Chicago native. You do a lot of incredible work out in Chicago. Um, so over the week, as I was sharing the news of the shoot of the school shootings that happened in Chicago, especially at the University of Chicago, which is where you work as the um, as the director of 
violence against youth preventions in the University of Chicago. Go ahead, Nick. Tell, tell me what tell what you do. Yo, yeah, nah, I appreciate you. I appreciate you. So uh yeah, man. So I am the the project manager at the Chicago Center for Youth Violence Prevention. Uh, at the University of Chicago. Big flex, big flex. You see what my boy doing. Nah, big, big humble, big humble, man. Big, big, uh, like just thankful and grateful to be able to work in community and with community. Uh, but the flip side of that is always when stuff happens, uh, any type of violence, whether it's within the university community or within the Chicago, the South Side, West Side community, wherever it's at, it always hits like, especially hard with when my professional life is, is trying to, is in prevention. Um, so what had happened was that, uh, and it's been a crazy man, like a hectic, heavy week, um, of just extremes, right? We started off the week with some really dope opportunities to meet with, uh, some folks pretty high up in the government. I don't know if I'm allowed to disclose, so I'll, I'll play it real safe. But we got to we got to talk to some some federal government folks about really getting into funding, about uh, making sustainable change, uh, about capitalizing on the time that we have left within the Biden administration to really get some program dollars into the hands of people who are really about making an impact on the ground. Um, like my brother here and like I like I aspire to. And so we're in these meetings like literally Monday, Tuesday, and then Tuesday after we have this dope meeting, right? Um, I actually got to meet Congressman Bobby Rush, who founded the Illinois Black Panther Party. That was fire. That was an honor for dope. me. Yeah. Um, so that's like my, the highlight of my week. I'm like, wow, look at the type of room that I've been like, that I've been blessed to be able to be in. Um, to the people that I get to learn from and, and try and apply that knowledge. And then we hear about uh, a shooting that happened on campus, right? By before, somebody. Go ahead. Not to, cut, not to cut you, but before you get even into the shootings, right, that happened on campus, what are those meetings and those rooms like, right? You, you're, you're, we're, we're all young, right? And you're sitting here with these prominent government heads speaking about impact, speaking about community work. What 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 do those meetings look like? What do they feel like? You know? Uh I'm I'm just I'm a sponge in those rooms, man. I try to be. I try to be to to soak up all the different perspectives, to soak up it's it's a it's an incredible learning opportunity for me. Uh, often being one of the younger people that's in those rooms. But I don't want to over-romanticize it, right? Because there's a lot of meetings that happen in boardrooms. There's a lot of pictures that get taken and then stuff doesn't happen, right? So I want to always be clear that like the real, the the real beautiful, beautiful things happen are, are, are on the ground, are, are happening with people staying up in offices, writing grants, you know what I'm saying? Putting together data to, to show that programs are effective. Um, the boardrooms are, are really dope opportunities to hear, hopefully, if you're in a space where people are being honest, right? And it's not just your meeting and I'm meeting so that we can say we've met, right? But if people are really coming together to try and foster change, then being in those, being in those meetings is really dope, man. It's uh, the, I, the University of Chicago has a very complicated history with the Southside community, but as of my time being there from from what I've been able to be a part of, right, in a very small section of the university, so I can't speak for the entire institution, but I've been able to be a part of a team that's collaborating with organization leaders that are community entrenched, commu people from the community, and lifting up their work, taking university resources and putting it behind people that are doing restorative justice type of work, people that are doing trauma-informed care for folks that have been uh, victims of, of penetrating violent injury, right? So connecting folks that have been uh, violently injured to resources, opportunities to maybe not have to go back to the same neighborhoods they've been in, educational opportunities for kids that are in neighborhoods where there's not enough programming for the most placed at-risk youth uh, or for families in general. So I get to be a part of a team of amazing, amazing, like a coalition and in, in in that's building capacity, both for individual organizations, but between these organizations. And that's been a beautiful thing, but it's not a common thing. 
and not all of our neighborhoods. We're focused in the greater Bronzeville area with our prevention coalition right now. And we're trying to build that infrastructure in places like South Shore and places like Inglewood and places like Auburn Gresham, where there's a, there's a lot of violence as well. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's bittersweet. I'm a part of something amazing, but we need to make it bigger and, and to expand the impact. I mean, the biggest challenge that comes into expanding impact, it always, it seems that it's going to balance between the resources that you have and then the support that you have. Resources comes in the form of monetary resources that you have, the cash that you have in order to be able to help people. And then on the organization side, it's like you need to get the buy-in from the community. The community should be wanting to help as well. You know, the people that are ancillary, people that might not even get paid to help um, join in to help as well. That seems to be like the two biggest, um, the the two biggest complementaries towards being able to, to do some serious impact. But when, you know, from the outsider looking in at, at these Chicago shootings, it's like, it, it's, it's, it's such a common story that Ch- Chicago, Chicagoans are shooting each other, especially in these areas. And if you're unfamiliar with, where the University of Chicago is it's in the south side of Chicago, right? Very close, um, located quite close towards uh, the the South Shore area, going down from that High Park into uh, at least within that High Park area, starting to move deep down, deeper down into the south of Chicago. Um, the the an, an, a simple mind would say, just get rid of all the guns in the U.S. Just get rid of all the guns, dude. Like that. That's what that's what the international rhetoric is regarding how to solve the issue of gun violence in the U.S. Just get rid of the guns, is what they say. Yeah, and and I mean, to a certain extent, right, I think that's a, that's a, that's a viable conversation, right? That's a very valid conversation. Um, and there's levels to that, right? There's getting rid of all the guns. There's getting rid of these assault-style weapons that have been a part of what have been considered mass shootings, Um and I think it's complicated, right? You, we start to get into what does it mean to have gun control for people that are citizens in a, in a country where that's, a, that's one of the rights that's a part of the Constitution? And what does it mean to create gun control for criminals, right, who might not be abiding by whatever new legislation you put in place? So I think that's a, that's a complicated conversation. But I want to go back to really quickly, though, I appreciate you kind of highlighting, kind of situating the university geographically. Hyde Park, the community that the university is in, is like the gateway to like the greater South Side, right? There's Bronzeville, which is like this really incredible historically black community. We're talking about going south from like 35th Street to 47th Street. And then there's Hyde Park, which is kind of like the last like really affluent, big. It's got almost like its own downtown area before you get to like the greater South Side, right? And it's there's. It's because it's so close to the greater South Side, a lot of the they face a lot of the same challenges in terms of violence. But there's a the university police force is a huge part of creating this boundary around Hyde Park. And when stuff happens in Hyde Park, it's treated differently than when it happens in the rest of the South Side. So I just felt like that was important context. No, it is. It is. It is important context because it's. Once you understand, like, you know, the crazy thing that's happening in Chicago right now is all the terrible things that are happening in the city are not very far away from the best parts of the city, right? There is, there's been systemic redlining and systemic um, disenfranchising of uh, black and brown people into particular communities and how they're even policed going into that area specifically different. That's why I tell a lot of people, especially someone who spends a lot of time in the south side of Chicago, um, and within that community is to say, people, man, being black in America is, is in my opinion, Miles, my humble opinion, it is America is the most difficult place to be a black man. In my opinion. Yeah, I, I mean, I could I could see that, although y'all been having wild power cuts. So no Internet, no lights, no Wi-Fi, like on the on the SA side. So it's it gets deep for everybody. I don't know. I, I don't know if I'd rather be hearing gunshots, but still be able to turn Netflix up or, you know, be sitting in the in the dark. But ain't nothing going out on, outside. I don't know. Checks and balances. Right. But um, yeah, going back to the gun conversation. So first of all, man, um, just kind of completing the 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 loop on the story that we started right so um great great day of meetings starting out this week couple days like really encouraging work and then there were two shootings on the same day on tuesday 
one in which a university student was killed, um, another one in which no one was shot, but a couple of businesses that are close to campus within this like Hyde Park bubble uh, had windows shot out. And it's just, it, it it is in a sense, it feels like a leakage of violence into a space where that violence doesn't typically put at risk the university community. And I think there's a lot of conversations here, including why do we care so much more when when it happens where it's not supposed to? Um, even though we we should know in our hearts as humans that this this type of stuff does, it shouldn't be allowed to go on anywhere. Yeah, and I think off of that, right, that comes from the fact that the gentleman that was killed was a young Asian man, um, twenty four year old Asian man who, and and that's who got killed. And so naturally, the attention of uh, the attention of of where media goes to is going to differ between the attention that this gentleman who gets killed gets, but. On the same, on that same breath, Miles, I think that speaks towards at times, especially in an instance like this. What allows for when when you have a bunch of black people who are killing each other in the south side of Chicago, and you have a bunch of people of color who are killing each other? That's such regular occurrence. So the necessity for the news to be able to stick on it, it loses its um its its, its shock value. It uses its its it's it's a line ticketer value. In truth, we should care about everybody that's getting killed in these places. But like, you know, when an Asian person gets killed, naturally that's going to stand out because that's not something that occurs all the time. Now it gets controversial, right? Like we saw in instances where um, Gabby Petito in the U.S., a white lady that got kidnapped, how that was received, um, kidnapped and later found dead, how that was received. And when the statistics came out that in fact, Tens of thousands of black women go missing and get kidnapped in the U.S. Tens of thousands of of um, Latina ex women get um, get kidnapped and, and and murdered every year. But that attention doesn't shine on there, right? Yeah. So it's it's kind of it's kind of peculiar in terms of like, do we? It's there should always be light shined on death, but it's always it feels sometimes unfair when we see different attention going into different groups. Yeah. And I think and I love the context that you brought with all these, these different comparisons. Right. Especially like the um, people, women of color and indigenous and Native American women that were going missing in the same space that Gabby Petito did. Right. And so there's definitely a conversation to have about news coverage. But I think there's also a conversation to be had about like so from the university perspective versus like the South side perspective, when somebody got uh, unfortunately, man, like, again, R.I.P. to Dennis. Um, who was who shot on the university campus, we immediately go to, what was his major? Let's commemorate what he did, what he was trying to do with his life, right? Um, let's, there was a, I was, how I actually found out about it was there was this email blast sent by the university security uh, that was informing of us of the incident and what had happened without giving too many details that we, we later found out. And it was just representative of this system of care, Right. Uh, so less about the news coverage, but more about when somebody gets shot on the south side, why aren't institutions making sure that the community has a system to know what's going on? You know what I'm saying? If I'm on the block and I know that somebody down the street got shot, I want to be able to check up on my neighbors who are who are here. Now, I can do that. I can call them and I can text them. But that's a system of community that I'm creating rather than this institution that's an anchor of the community saying mm -hmm. you get an email and you get an email and you everybody gets an email so that everybody knows what's going on. Right. Yeah. yeah. Let's have let's have some of our government and some of our institutions create those networks of safety within our communities. Right. That's one. Also, to the point of lifting up his major, that's what we should do. I'm not saying we should ignore or, or downplay or like how this person was lifted up. I'm saying. Don't when a black person gets shot, try and figure out all the reasons why that's OK. What gang was he in? What is his history like? Was he did he finish high school? You know what I'm saying? What picture are we going to go get of this person? You know what I'm yeah. saying? And post. Right. How are we describing them? Right. And how are we describing them plays into a whole a lot of other things. We can get into the Kyle Rittenhouse joint. Right. Where they're not allowing the people he shot to be called victims. It's a lot of about the narrative. It's a lot about framing. And so I'm just saying, if we going if we gonna have, uh, if we gonna lift up people and we're gonna look to shine light on people that that passed in an unfortunate way, let's keep let's keep that energy across the board. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, I totally, totally agree, man. I totally agree. Listen, there's a whole lot more show for us to be able to get into. There's a whole lot more content for us to be able to get into. Thank you, Brother Miles, for being so diligent in your commitment towards your community, being an inspiration, not just to myself, not just to the people that you work with, but as a uh, example of what it looks like to take community help to the highest organizational levels. Um, we thank you for that. We commend you for that. And we appreciate you breaking down this story quite uh, quite, quite at length for us. Now, what I do know is something that we have been recommended to review. It's something super, super hot, man. And I feel like we got to get into it ASAP. Let's get it. for the third time you know it you know it you know it hey man we got we got tv we got tv to to review we got movies to review we got things that we enjoy to review so excited nah man this was this was fire i'm gonna come right out and say it this was this was fire um i was anticipating this movie i saw the trailer probably six months ago and I didn't want to see anything else. I didn't want to read nothing about it. I didn't want to hear no synopsis. I just saw Idris Elba coming out of a box on a train with Regina King and Lakeith Stanfield. And I was like, I'm good. Yep, yep. That alone would do it. But that 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 first, that first um that first thing that they had, the the pro the preview was so so dope, man. That was super, super dope. Um, harder they fall. And I think, Miles, we are entering into a time of black cinema where a lot of the types of movies black culture has enjoyed are movies that are now being made by black directors and a black cast and reinforcing because black black culture has, funny enough, always had a very close relationship with Western movies, right? Now we're talking about the good, the bad, the ugly. We're talking about old Clint Eastwood movies, right? And 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 we've seen how that translates between Western movies and Kung Fu. Black people love Western movies and Kung Fu, bro. <laughs> they can't get enough of those two things. Big facts, man. And this had elements of both, man. This is this is definitely a, a Western. This is this is a beautifully shot uh like true to a lot of the tropes without being boring but it also had a lot of to your point man it 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 referenced so many different aspects of of black culture black cinema beforehand uh i was just it was just purely entertaining man not everything that's that's a black movie with a black cast has to be some deep earth-shattering revelation about like race and racism and Sometimes it's dope just for us to be able to tell our own stories without even having some big white, you know, uh, antagonist chasing everybody around. Right. I dug this. They got close with it, though, with that with that with that singing part. They had like a humming moment. I was like, God, they, they got the humming in there. Nah, <laughs> nah. they would do. Then my boy Jonathan Majors hum, man. That was the that was the moment where I was like, oh, yeah, he flexing. He flexing when he stared into the camera on that. On that humming stuff, man, on that song, that was that was it. Matter of fact, before we go any further, spoiler alert, because I, I don't know if, how many things we're gonna give away in this review. Uh well, but if you haven't right. seen it, you might wanna you might wanna chill, go check it out. It's on Netflix, so give this John a look. Um but yeah, getting back into it, man. What did what did you what did you think of what 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 is this what does this sit in your your westerns uh your list of Westerns. Where does this rank? I'm a Western fan. I'm a Western fan. And I think what I particularly enjoyed about this from, uh, what I particularly enjoyed about this from the directors, the bullets is that it was actually Jason, Jason Matthews, I believe is his name. Um, uh, it's, I, it's James, James, something. Samuels, James Samuels. There you go. James Samuels. Sorry. Um, what I enjoyed really about this bro is that he borrowed a lot of elements from, my favorite types of my one of my favorite movies, which is Django, right? So in Django and in how Quentin Tarantino shoots his films, the, the gore is over the top. The, the the gun scenes are over the top. And there is a focus 
of cool when it comes to how people get killed and like the scenes, you know, that, that type of stuff is cool. Kind of brings me back to once upon a time in Mexico into Desperado, like some of those old Western spaghetti Western films, by the way, Desperado, which was um, executive produced by Quentin Tarantino as well. Um, with Antonio Baderas, if you haven't seen it, it's incredible. With Salma, Salma Hayek, <laughs> but um, yeah, what else? Yeah, do you man, th- those scenes of those scenes of cool. Uh, there's an element of cool that 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 is appreciated in this, from its how it's shot, set design, clothing, um, music, the music, Miles. Yeah, it's very stylized. Every aspect of it, right? The audio, the the cinematography, the costume design. The set design, everything is is immaculate. Everything is has such this level of care and detail, uh, and this story that's just that's it's not too convoluted. It's it's beautiful. It's 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 beautifully simple. I'll say that. Uh, it's even though it's a little messed up, uh, and maybe maybe a little predictable at times. Um, but there was something there was something simple in the fact that it didn't seem like they were trying too hard. Right. To just create something really uh, that's an homage to a genre, but also unique. I like what you said about Tarantino as well. Right. That especially the blood being super stylized. Uh, Interestingly, the first the one thing that Tarantino got a lot of backlash for in Django was having every character have a quota of saying nigga at least seven times. Right. White or black. Uh, And so a lot of people were like. Why is this white man putting so many niggas uh, verbally in this movie? And and does that and is that just because during that time is the time where that was a common epithet for black people? Do we have to include that in our movie, especially one like Django, where it's it's on one hand championing this black hero, right? But also on the other time, the rest of the whole movie, we're hearing this 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 word slung around, right? In this movie, the only time we're about to hear the word nigga is when the white train conductor runs up on Regina King and he doesn't even get the word out. Bah! She takes him out, right? And I think that's a little bit of a shot, no pun intended, at Tarantino and and, and his use and choices uh, in that film. Good pickup. Good pickup. I, I would say in those Tarantino films, the the effect that is being that is being reached for is excessive gore it's excessive everything about it is excessive even in the scenes of um of of uh django whipping the slave master on the pole right it's 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 extremely excessive and how they they focus in on the lashes and and they have such such very poignant shots to accentuate the excessive nature of it so if you take even the the crime right in Django you had two Mandingo fighters fighting each other to the death on the floor one of the most cold scenes and Leonardo DiCaprio watching smoking a cigarette casually um that that's far more that's far more explicit than anything we see in this movie right so I think in that setting and in that movie and in what Django was trying to achieve all of those epithets they fit that they fit that movie. Whereas in this one, I think the attention towards the styling, the placing, and the pace of the movie took precedence. Where that's not necessarily um, a, a, a major a major fixation of the movie. The the reach for this movie wasn't gore. The reach for the movie was how dope can we make a black western movie, keeping within the confines of what is considered a western movie. And I think they executed it well. I think so, too. And I think it was probably a very conscious choice not to say yeah. nigga a whole bunch of times. Right. Um, and yeah, to, to your point, it does it does make Tarantino's Django much more extreme. It does make it violent, even verbally for the person for the person watching it. And I think the point that maybe if that if I'm if I may be correct about that, that little shot that they're taking, that the point is just like, yeah, we get why you did it. But why are you still comfortable creating such extreme horror with black bodies and black people? Right. So I think that's, I think that's it, but not to focus too much on Django, man, this was, this was unique in its own right. Um, I loved, I loved my man, uh, Nat Love, bro. 
Jonathan Majors yes. is not love bodied it, bodied it. Uh, I, I thought that he, like, as a hero, man, he's stepping into a, somebody who excites me to see headlining movies. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I look forward to his work in the future. Uh, I want to hear some more of your thoughts, but the last thing I'll, I'll throw in there is um, the train that they rob in the beginning of the movie. The C.A. Bozeman is a shout out mm-hmm. to Chadwick Bozeman. You know what I mean? Oh, so rest in peace to Chadwick. Yeah. This movie is laced with them references. You know what I'm saying? So that just made it a dope, a dope experience to me. Uh, what'd you think of Zazie? Oh, come on, man. There's 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 a scene where Zazie Beats is upset at um at, at Jonathan Major's character for having to to leave and uh the disappointment that she has on his on her face talking to this man that she loves that is about to embark on another untold journey um is something i relate to a lot man that 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 really did hit home but obviously zazzy beats is always always fantastic i thought idris alba did a great job lakeith stanfield is so solid uh regina king bro regina king it was in with this accent that she lays on it i heard more so of the riley freeman of the huey freeman in it more than anything else just the cadence in which she came out with obviously she did um, both of those characters on the Boondocks, Riley and Huey Freeman, but I think her, her her portrayal, man. What I do love is the ability to still keep elegance in 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 a character despite them being despicable. Right. One of the cool things about this movie, I think, is that they were able to layer some of the character, uh, layer the characters where you almost didn't know which character you you didn't want to see die and which character you were okay to, to see die. And that's all kudos to to good writing. Even with that Idris Elba scene, when he first gets into the city, you're like, okay, he's a bad guy, but he wants good for this town. And you kind of are a little bit torn for a second about whether, you know, whether this is a good dude or a bad dude. And I think that that just speaks to to the writing. But again, the the set design I thought was cool. The comedic relief was very relevant, you know, like the the the, the comedic pacing of it was not that of nineteen of a western, of western comedic relief. It was very modern in in, in its pacing, which was always which was super super dope. Um, I really enjoyed it, man. I really really enjoyed it. The blue the my favorite scene was the the blue lady dancing in the club, in the in the saloon. <laughs> I'll be completely transparent. And when I was watching this with my shorty, I saw that scene start and I was like, how'd I get Lil Nas X in this? This oh, is no. crazy. This oh, is crazy. No, I thought that was my homie Lil Nas X, man. He bodied that role. <laughs> Killed that. Uh, but speaking of characters that like we didn't want to see, we didn't want to see die, right? I was so heated that my I man know. Beckworth didn't get to get to get his shot off, bro, with the Cherokee on the gun, had his name on the bullet. I was so he did, man. But it and was, he was so cool with the tools. No, bruh, bruh. He was, yeah, man. It was, uh, but this movie did a great job of, of making you feel for, feel the characters. Um, they were all charismatic in their own way. Uh, especially my boy who does not get enough love, Delroy Lindo as the Marshall Bass Reeves, bro. That man went in. When he, his little scene, when, when he walks through the town shooting, <laughs> bro, it makes you remember what he said earlier. He said, you know what I do. He, that man yeah. went off. That man went crazy. That Delroy Lindo, I need to see him in more in more roles. Jumping back real quick to Stagecoast Mary, though, Zazie Beats, not to always throw a little conspiracy and, and racism in it, but my homegirl's Stagecoach Mary was a lot bigger and a lot darker. Darker, damn! I would have thought than my, so. Than my homegirls, as he beats to a to a very noticeable, significant extent. How so, bad is it? How let me, how bad is? It? I'll share. I'll share it with the. I'll share it with the people. Stage is, okay. I'll I'll find it. It's 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 not. Um, yeah, she doesn't look like her at all, right? And uh, it's just one of those things where you know I oh, love damn. this movie. I love the representation for black folks, but let's be let's be thorough with the representation. I love this opportunity for 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 Zazie. Um, I'm not putting no blame on on her at all for taking the role, but I would like to see more representation for all shapes and sizes of females. Right. We could have got a sister that looks like that to play the role. I'm sure there's a talented sister that could have went out there and bodied that role as much as Zazie did. But. Shout out to Zazie and what she did with this character. 
Uh, shout out to the the creative team behind it that made uh, a great movie. But we, that just because it's black and it's good doesn't mean we can't critique it and, and point out, you know, the areas where we still need to improve. Man, y'all want Viola Davis to do every movie. Y'all guys got to calm down. I do. She's great. <laughs> y'all want Viola Davis to do everything, man. Everybody got to calm down. I want Ma Rainey's part two. I'm still waiting on that. Yeah, Zazie looks nothing like this. But like, how do we feel about how do we feel about this being the case when it comes to black people being depicted in movies? We tend to see a lot more lighter, uh, a lot more lighter features take up the roles of, of especially dark skinned women outside of Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. But like, usually this would be the instance. Exactly. And so I think we just have to be real with ourselves, man. We can't we can't act like we don't do that. We can't act like colorism isn't a thing. We can't act like people that are light skinned don't get more opportunities and more looks. Right. Like from just just a um, yeah, from an opportunity perspective. So, yeah, man, it's definitely about like just calling it out. You know what I'm saying? And being clear, anybody like. You know, not saying that our platform is huge, but just being thorough and saying like, no, nah, if you're asking me, I'm what I'm standing on is I would like to see that representation. Right. I would like for not just skinny, light skinned girls to feel pretty and to feel badass when they go to the movies, but for everybody to have a character that they can hold on to. Right. And we could still throw Zazie Beats in as an extra. Make her another blue lady. Her and little Nas X could have did a little duet dance. I would have liked that. I would have been here for that. Look, look at Miles trying to get Zazie BC. That's seductively. Calm down, sir. We run, we run the family show. I would like to hear from the fans on whether or not I should continue trying to get Zazie Beats to dance seductively. I think that is cause we can all get behind. Hey, man, listen. One of the dope highlights of this movie, um, the fellow Cootie fight scene. I love the, the, the song selection there. Fire. Super, super, super dope, man. Lauren Hill as well, getting her to come back, and her voice is sounding smooth as ever. Um, executive produced by Jay-Z. Um, I think this is uh, this is this is a re- an homage to everything that black people like about Western. And I, and I do hope that in, in time this ages well and more people get to appreciate what I think to be one of the, the coolest movies that I've seen in a, in a little bit, man. Just fly. I said it's fly. Yep, definitely. I'm rewatchable, too. I'm definitely going to run this back very soon. Uh, yep. See if there's on, any on bigger more. TV. Yeah. Word, word, son. I need to, I, I need to upgrade my TV. Okay, you know what I'm saying. Some of these movies that's coming, I watched Dune. You know what I'm saying, and I was like, ah, <laughs> I think I need a bigger. I think I need. I'll tell you now, Miles. You are making way too much money to have the type of TV that you have. I'm gonna need you to stop buying bags and get yourself a TV. Okay. <laughs> hey, bro. Hey, bro. You know what I'm saying? I had to, I had to, I had to spoil the the people in my life real quick. Not that we're ruining any Christmas gifts out here, but what I'm saying is, um, great movie, yo, definitely check it out. The harder they fall, um, all real people, right? These were real black cowboys. Black cowboys was a thing uh, that cannot get lost in this. This was a great story, very entertaining, fictional story, real people, right? Real history to be acknowledged in that. So I'm gonna definitely do some searches on some more of these cowboys uh, and cowgirls and check out what's going on with that. Um, that's actually a, cu- a culture that my brother likes a lot. So maybe there's a Christmas gift in there too, man. The holidays are coming up. The All The Way Live podcast is here to remind you to love yours, take care of yours, um, and keep supporting black cinema, bro. Any more recommendations? Wait, we need a rating for this joint. I'm giving it a 4.5 out of 5. That's my shit. But what it's, you got? It's like it's like me and you think the same, brother. It's like me and you think the same. It's a 4.5 out of 5 on my side, too. I think that this is extremely, extremely dope. Um, if you haven't seen it, go ahead and give it a look. And also let us know, let us know, let us know what you'd like for us to watch, listen, review, or anything of that sort. We're always more than happy to do so, man. Big facts, big facts. Yo, we appreciate y'all for tuning in because we know. Know what I mean? We know. We know. That's a fact. We know. It's too many podcasts. It's a lot of podcasts, right? And the fact that if y'all are hearing the soulful sounds of hazelnut tones and chestnut tones at this point, that you have listened to this whole joint, man, we appreciate you, bro. We, we, we love you wherever you're at. You know what I'm saying? You've tuned in to a celebration of celebrating, a celebration of life, a celebration of how good it feels to be black. Don't it feel good this way? Favorite thing in the world, except for, nah, favorite thing in the world. I keep it there.
Mm-hmm. It's, I, it's hard. It's hard, but I love it. <laughs> word, man. Word, word, word. And whether or not it's hard, we hope it feels great to be you. We hope you feel good in the skin you're in. We hope you eat something delicious, hug somebody you love like that. Peace, water, we gone. You know what it is, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. I get that. But is we live, though? Is we, like, all the way live, though?